Hello and welcome to the 1909, your home at the state news for everything happening on campus and around Lansing. I'm not Lily Gwinney. As you might be able to tell, my name is Griffin Wiles and I host a dinner table podcast here at the state news. And it is truly an honor to be taking over for Lily this week, hosting the 1909. Unfortunately, Lily came down with a sickness and completely lost her voice. So she will not be able to host today. But fear not. Earlier this week, she recorded an interview with Congresswoman Alyssa Slotkin to discuss her campaign and what's at stake for mid-Michigan in the November midterms. Representative Slotkin is running for re-election in the newly redrawn 8th Congressional District against Republican Tom Barrett. So be sure to stick around and check out Lily's interview with Representative Slotkin. It is so good, you will not want to miss it. I guarantee it. But this week, in the meantime, I will be diving into the midterms myself, recapping two events from opposing sides of the political aisle. I'm also going to be taking a look at the MSU 2022 Security and Fire Safety Report, which tells us how crime on campus looked in the first year with students back. So, starting up strong, let's first ask that most pressing question here at MSU. Is Samuel Stanley still the president? As of right now, yes he is. This week, he submitted recertification of the Title IX report from 2021 that previously fell under scrutiny by board members who claimed it was falsified by Stanley following a review by the board of said documents. He also submitted the 2022 Title IX report documenting any issues of alleged sexual misconduct by university employees in the 2022 fiscal year. As far as we know, Stanley's contract remains under review by the board, but he is still very much the president of Michigan State University. Moving forward, the Gun Violence Prevention Advocacy Group March for Our Lives and local activists jointly hosted a Protect Our Future rally at the Michigan Capitol on September 30th. The rally sought to promote voting rights and to discuss the issues at stake on the ballot in November's midterms. March for Our Lives co-founder David Hogg, a survivor of the 2018 Marjorie Stoneman Douglas school shooting, was in attendance and addressed the crowd. Hogg discussed the importance of youth participation in politics and said he was, quote, Tired of seeing more and more young people that are 17 years old, like I was when I started, that are becoming products of a failed political system that lets down our young people time and time again. Michigan House Minority Leader Representative Donna Lisinski and Michigan Senator Curtis Hertel also attended the event. Gun violence remains a top priority issue for many voters, not only in Michigan, but across the country. And the event at the Capitol is the latest in a string of initiatives to turn out more students in the November midterms. Now, on to another event from last week that centered on the upcoming elections. Former President Donald Trump held a rally in Warren on October 1st where he campaigned for the Michigan GOP ticket. At this rally, we heard from gubernatorial candidate Tudor Dixon, Attorney General candidate Matt DiPerno, and Secretary of State candidate Christina Caramo. The speakers focused largely on their hopes of securing a decisive Republican victory in November and... Some shots may have been fired at Democratic incumbents Gretchen Whitmer, Dana Nessel, and Jocelyn Benson. The event with Trump is significant for a couple of reasons. One, it could be a lifeboat for Republicans' lagging polling numbers that we've seen in the past few weeks. And two, it was also confirmation that, at least in Michigan, the Republican Party is still very much united behind Donald Trump. All three of the the top-of-the-ticket candidates in the Republican Party are polling behind their Democratic opponents, with the widest gap being between Dixon and Whitmer, a now 17-point deficit, according to polling done last week by the Detroit News. 
Other speakers at the event included Georgia Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene and MyPillow CEO Mike Lindell, both of whom have voiced falsehoods regarding the 2020 presidential election. Trump himself maintained in his speech that he won that election by a landslide and said, quote, I don't think we'll ever have a fair election again. We'll have to wait and see how the midterms turn out, but the rallies seem to indicate that we haven't just yet seen the last of the Stop the Steal movement. Moving forward, the Michigan State University 2022 Security and Fire Safety Report, which was made public last week, shows how various reported crime rates changed in the first in-person year back on campus. Crimes do not have to be proven to be included in this report, and if a full investigation finds that a crime is false, it will be considered unfounded. The report contains a section for unfounded crimes as well. Compared to 2020, a majority of crimes have higher reported numbers. MSUPD communications manager Dana White said this can be attributed to the fact that far more people lived on campus in 2021 compared to the year prior. It's important to compare these numbers to the 2019 data as that year's campus population was much more comparable to 2021. Motor vehicle theft was the highest reported on-campus crime in 2021, with 31 reported cases. Burglary and rape are the second highest, each with 19 reported incidents. Stalking reports have decreased each year since 2019, and dating violence reports have decreased 47% from 2019 to last year. However, domestic violence reports have increased since 2019, with five reported cases last year. The report also covers robbery, aggravated assault, and arson, and last year these crimes had three, four, and one report, respectively. Now I'm excited to introduce Lily Gwinney's interview with Representative Alyssa Slotkin. So that's our news recap for the week. Well, disclaimer before I get into our guest, um, this was recorded on Monday, October 3rd. So if you hear us using last week, this week, uh, that's the week we're referring to. This was just recorded at a separate time. And now I'd like to introduce our guest, Congresswoman Alyssa Slotkin. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. So if you're not familiar, Congresswoman Slotkin is running for the United States Congress here in the Lansing area. And if you're an MSU student, she will be your Congresswoman if she wins in November. Um, so we're going to just get into some questions here. First off, how are you feeling? Where's your head at about your race in the next 36 days? Well, you know, um, what I always say like the last five or six weeks of a campaign are just insane. And you, you sort of it becomes a blur. Um, I, I ran and won for the first time in 2018. And to be honest, Michigan State students were a big part of why I won this district. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I feel pretty good. But, you know, as someone who's from a genuinely swing district, you just the minute you sleep on this district is the minute you lose. So we're um, we're in pitch battle right now. But I feel pretty good about it. Yeah. So your race against Tom Barrett. Tom Barrett is your Republican opponent been reported to be one of the most expensive congressional races in this midterm cycle. So what do you see on the line for mid-Michigan in November? Well, I think what's online first and foremost is, you know, who do we want to be represented by in this district? Like mm -hmm. what best represents mid-Michigan? And for me, I think a lot of first, the first level is just principled leadership. And whether you're a Democrat, Republican, or an independent, I think the average Michigander just wants decent leadership. Mm -hmm. Um, who's not ideological, who's not extreme, but is just a, takes a principled and independent approach to legislating. But then I think, you know, to be honest, right now for Democrats, we have a four seat majority in the House of Representatives. 
in the Senate, it's split 50-50. So, like, it is really about control of the House, and we are in one of the top 10 most competitive races in the country. So we here in mid-Michigan, you know, will decide the fate of the House. Mm-hmm. And if myself and a few other members lose, then the House will flip to to the Republicans. And so to me, I think what's on the line is how we approach the economy. It's how we approach things like lowering our bills like on prescription drugs and health care. It's our approach to things like student aid. But then pretty fundamentally here in the state of Michigan, it is definitely also about the issue of choice. It it wasn't that wasn't a topic that used to come up for years. Um, But, you know, we will we you know, with the overturning of Roe v. Wade, I think, one, we have a choice to make in November on our own ballot. But if the House flips, the Republicans have made very plain that they will try to impose a federal ban on abortion. So it won't matter what your state, you know, allows or doesn't allow. It will supersede that. Um, That is, I think, what we have to contend with if we flip the House. So that one feels pretty relevant, I got to say. Yeah, I know that's an issue that a lot of voters here in Michigan are saying is going to be their number one thing. And I agree with you. It it is a a new thing that this is people's number one issue for a midterm election. So you had your first debate last Mm -hmm. week with your opponent, Tom Barrett. What were your takeaways from that? Well, I think um, you can tell a lot by who wants to talk about what, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I think, I think he was, he's pretty good at at sort of delivering talking points um, that are being delivered in pretty much every competitive race around the country right now. There's no doubt about it. Inflation is really difficult for everyone. I don't know anyone who's kind of doing the same thing they were doing a year and a half ago because of inflation. Mm-hmm. So got some talking points around that. He does not want to talk about the issue of choice. Um, he's been, you know, he has campaigned on 100% pro-life, no exceptions, not for rape, not for incest, not for health of the mother. So as you can imagine, there was a lot of bobbing and weaving on that topic because he's now in a competitive race and he knows that it's not popular to say no exceptions. Mm-hmm. I think it was interesting that... Um, foreign policy even came up. You know, we have a different approach to China. Mm-hmm. And it. I think it just made pretty clear that there really, there is a choice in November. And that's, you know, that's why I like doing debates is because you're just putting it all out there mm-hmm. and let the voters decide. It's like as old as our country, that sort of his, that sort of way of debating. Yeah. And the one thing I like about watching um, congressional debates or even state level election debates is that you get a little bit less of the, uh, uh, flash handshake charm stuff you get in presidential debates. It's a little more policy oriented, a little more nitty gritty. So I'd encourage anyone who's listening, there are videos of these debates online. You can go find them and watch them and decide, make your decisions based on those because that's a really great resource for people. And we have another one coming up this Thursday in the Lansing media market. Yes. So the other one was in Detroit media market. Those are our two biggest markets. So it'll be uh, Thursday evening. Um, state students don't watch a ton of television, um, but it will be available online as well. So, um, yeah, we'd love to have as many. And, and Michigan State issues are going to come up, right? Well, yeah, that'll that'll be great to hear. So uh, by the time this airs, that will have been already happened. So if you're listening to this, go look it up. So you spent time on campus here at MSU in the past. Anything to say to our student listeners who might be voting for the first time in this district or their first time voting away from home? Yeah, I really think that Michigan State students have the opportunity to decide this election, full stop. And that's why we have invested a lot of time and a lot of resources in voter registration. The clerk is going to be, is basically starting 
this week going to be on campus um, with a temporary location so you can register and vote right there at, mm-hmm. at, with the clerk. You don't have to go home. You don't have to apply for something. And I think, you know, while lots of people, you know, are this is their first time away from home and they may not think about it, it is in a race that's going to be won or lost by between five and 15,000 votes. You can see how Michigan State can just seal the deal for folks. So Registering to vote no matter how you vote, I think, is super, super important. Mm-hmm. And um, for anyone who's listening, MSU has some great resources for getting registered and getting, if you're voting absentee, MSU Vote is the organization, and they do some great work here on campus making sure that people are registered and ready for November 8th. So one thing that kind of sticks out to me, you have a huge background in foreign policy and in national security. You were at the CIA we're at the Department of Defense. And a lot of people say that, you know, foreign relations and international policy as a whole isn't something that voters want to hear about or care about during midterm elections. What do you say to that? Yeah. Well, I think certainly, you know, I'm what's called a 9-11 baby. So I, <laughs> I 9-11 happened when I was in grad school on my second day of grad school, actually. Oh, I wow. just moved to New York City. And it was like my second day of school when 9-11 happened. So it completely changed my life. And I mm-hmm. got into national security. I got recruited by the CIA right out of grad school. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, kind of from there went on. But I think that there are a lot of things that are related to national security and international affairs that are also hyper relevant for a place like Michigan. And the the issue that I feel like lives in that zone all the time is the issue of future of work. And whether our jobs go overseas to places like China versus staying here, our supply chains. I don't know anyone who hasn't been affected by supply chain issues. That is an international affairs issue. It's Mm -hmm. because our supply chains have been so outsourced to places like China, especially microchips, right? Every student probably has 12 microchips in their pocket right now with their phone and their gadgets. And so um, we make 0% of the microchips that go in cars. And we make cars in this state. So you can imagine that that issue, I think, is is one that is relevant. But then I just did a big thing on campus with um, on Ukraine and yeah. the Russia-Ukraine issue, and the room was packed. Mm-hmm. And I think that people understand whether it's the price of gas, whether it's like the future of um, you know democracies in Europe, that international affairs kind of comes to our shores whether we want it to or not. And then, to be honest, as someone who worked her whole life preventing attacks on the homeland, immigration, the issue at the southern border, you know, today, right now, as we speak, I know you're going to be recording this, but the Ambassador Bridge is closed on the Canadian side because of a suspicious package. You know, Mm -hmm. it just, we may not wake up every morning and say, oh, you know, national security is my number one thing. But it comes for you whether you want (laughs) it to or not in some form or fashion. And I think having that background, and frankly, totally nonpartisan background doing national Mm -hmm. security um, helps my approach to the job as just a serious, like, be straight about what is happening on policy issues. It helps me. Yeah. So this is kind of a big, a big overarching question, but where do you see Michigan in sort of the current national political scene? We know that we're a swing state. We know how crucial we are to most of um, the decisions that will be made going forward. But what what's your take on that? So I cannot express to you how many people are interested. When I go to Washington every week to vote, 
um, people are like, what's happening in Michigan? Like, they want to know. And in our particular race, right, mm-hmm. we're such a swing district that um, they want to know about Michigan, and they, they are watching our race in particular. But in general, Michigan as a swing state is often considered like a canary in the coal mine on national trends. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the look, I look at what's going on in the Republican Party right now. There's like, in Michigan, there's clearly a real fight going on between kind of the Trump, pro-Trump wing, and then sort of the standard, more conservative wing. Um, People are interested in that as a signal of maybe what's going on. They're interested in how a district like ours that voted by, you know, just not even a full percentage point for Joe Biden, like, where is it going to end up? And I think that Michigan, a lot of people say, well, if it works in Michigan, then that's something we should do nationwide for both parties. So um, I I don't think people in Michigan, I certainly didn't realize when I was in college how many people (laughs) look at our state, but it is amazing how often I get asked to weigh in on things from our perspective. Yeah. So, and now to change gears a little bit, we actually talked about this a little bit on our way into the building. Uh, There was a a rally where Donald Trump was present here in Michigan this past weekend. So for anyone listening, that would have been October 1st. And there were all of the top of the ticket Republicans present for the state of Michigan. And there was a lot of speaking and a lot of different issues brought up that I think have kind of been right at the top of people's minds in terms of education, particularly. Um, They're all speaking, you know, in terms of the culture war topics. Um, They're saying things about, you know, speech in schools and uh, use of books that reference LGBTQ people and the idea of critical race theory. And I think this is probably one of those other issues that there's no way of avoiding for anybody in this uh, campaign cycle. It's very prevalent. What's kind of your take? Obviously, you're not only dealing with a district here that has a university in it, but tons and tons of public schools. Um, What's kind of your take on that whole thing? I mean, I think that for, you know, that there's been a lot of amplifying of issues, culture war issues that is way exaggerated from the amount of actual deep, deep concern, right? Mm-hmm. I, I never heard, honestly, I never heard of critical race theory as a concept before about two years ago, yeah. may, maybe less. I'm a, a political science adjacent major here, and I haven't read all that much critical right. race theory in right. my college classes. So right. that's definitely something to consider. So I think I think what's happened is a lot of these culture issues, you know, they sort of seize on them and amplify them and try to use fear, right, mm-hmm. to scare people. Um, when in actuality, I don't know of one school in Michigan, public school, that is teaching critical race theory, right, that's even using it. Now, maybe they're using it as a symbol that they don't want to talk about history. They don't want to they don't want to really look at American history warts and all, you know, problems and all. And if that's the case, I have a real problem with that. Um, But I think what we've seen them do from issue to issue to issue is focus on something um, that is purposely scaring parents and amplifying it. We're seeing it at our school board meetings all the time. On the the, the stuff around LGBTQ um, folks, I mean, that one is very personal to me. My mom came out in 1986, long before it was hip to be gay in <laughs> suburban Detroit, let me oh, tell you. Yeah. We hit it when I was in high school. I mean, my brother and I didn't tell anyone. There was no LGBTQ clubs. There was no, like, straight but not narrow. There was mm-hmm. nothing. And... Um, she, you know, she passed away, but um, before she got to, you know, see things like gay marriage and stuff like that. But I, I just live and let live 
mm-hmm. I think is a really good philosophy for the state of Michigan. Just there, we have a lot of different opinions here. We have a lot of different hobbies and things that people like to do. Just live and let live. Um, and um, I, I feel that strongly, obviously, for the LGBTQ community. So, uh, you know, I, I think what what we have to do is call some of that fear mongering out. And um, my opponent, I think what what really crossed over a line for me was he sent out a fundraising text that um, highlighted that said your child's gender reassignment is scheduled for tomorrow. The surgery is scheduled for tomorrow. If you want to cancel it, click here. And then it linked you to a fundraising page. Um, that to me is over the edge. That that is literally using fear, stoking up hate against LGBTQ communities, um, and we called them on it. And I, I think you worry about your children, um, and other people will worry about their children. And schools, people who are actual parents at the schools, should have those conversations not paid people from other areas who come down and and purposely use this as a political forum. Um, parents have real rights in their schools. They don't have the the right to go to someone else's school district and agitate um, on an issue that doesn't involve their children. Mm-hmm. So you brought up um, a Tom Barrett campaign tactic there. This is kind of just off the top of my head. Actually, my roommate <laughs> brought it up to me this morning. There have been some really aggressive ads on Hulu yeah. against you. Yeah. Um, are you a Hulu watcher at all? <laughs> I, I do have Hulu, except I think I pay for the non-ad one. So, But trust me, I have not missed the millions and millions yeah. of dollars of attack ads that have run. We're, we're the most expensive race in the country. Yeah. I think it was $4.5 million spent just on attack ads in September against wow. me. Yeah, it's a lot. And yeah, that especially for, for a midterm congressional race, that is... Hefty. My dad's going to shoot the TV. I mean, he can't watch the shows. You know, this is his. But yeah, it's it's everywhere. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's part of the nastiness of a campaign. And, and um, I think, you know, they have gone out of their way to take things, you know, clips from my own videos, things that, you know, way out of context. And, you know, what can I say? I think that there's there are certain lines and campaigns that shouldn't be crossed and um, they don't mind crossing them. We have difference of opinion about that. Yeah. So that brings us kind of to the end of our questions. So thank you so much again for being here today. Um, And for anyone listening, this has been the 1909 from the State News. You can catch us every week on Mondays wherever you get your podcasts. And signing off from East Lansing, I'm Lily Gwinney. Well, I hope you enjoyed Lily's interview with Representative Slotkin, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of the 1909. I had so much fun hosting. Um, Unfortunately, I will not be back next week, assuming Lily gets her voice back. But you can hear my voice every week on the Dinner Table podcast. Be sure to check out the State News' other podcasts, Sports Roundtable, hosted by Nick Lundberg, and House Lights, hosted by Liz Nas. They're all great. They're all incredible. And I want to shout out our awesome podcast coordinator, Shakira Maybone, for editing all of these. She's wonderful. So thank you so much for listening to this episode of the 1909. We'll see you next time.